You are listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at sungrove.org. What a powerful name it is. What a wonderful name it is, the name of Jesus. And over the next three weeks, we're going to be doing a series on spiritual warfare. And it's a subject that's really important because you hear things or see things or experience things. Some of you are attuned to what is spiritual. Some of you, uh, maybe not so much. Maybe you're more rational. And I want to affirm some of those things in your lives. But we need to talk about the issue of spiritual warfare because the beautiful thing is as powerful as the darkness is, Jesus trumps it. He is far more powerful. He absolutely dominates it. And we need to know that, but it confuses us because we live in a world where we experience darkness. We live in a world where we're aware of our flesh. We're aware of the lure of the world. We're aware of what happens inside and outside of us. And and there's going to be some of you, as we talk about this the next few weeks, uh, some of you are just experiencing God. You're like, I'm just checking it out. I don't know yet what I believe. I don't even think maybe I do or don't believe. You're thinking, and angels or demons. And I just want to say that's okay. If that's you and you don't think that stuff is real or exists, then that's fine because this is the right place for you to be to interact with God's word and begin to allow God's Holy Spirit to work on your head and your heart and just open your mind to new things as you experience that. We're so glad that you're here. Others of you in this room, I gotta let you know, um, you know what? You believe that there are angels, you believe that there are demons because you've read the Bible, you read in the Bible and you think that those things exist, but you're pretty logical. And you look at the, the world through eyes that are logical, that evaluate things, and you're steady. And I want to say that that's really good. Like, that's really good. I'm glad that you do that because you help balance on one side. The other side is some people in the room, you see a demon behind every life event. Behind every doorpost, you think it's always spiritual, that it's always a demon. And I want to say that's good for you because you're very spiritually attuned. And what I want to do here today is this. As we look through the next three weeks, the issue of spiritual warfare, I want to say that those two extremes, either just the logical side or the over-spiritual side, those are extremes, and they're not problems to solve. They are tensions to manage. And so what I'm going to ask is over the next three weeks, will you give grace to the other side. Will you do that? Respond to me if you will. Just say amen or whatever. Like, yes. Okay, next three weeks, you're going to give great. You're not going to try to solve the problem. You're going to say it's a tension to manage. And would you open your head and your heart to what God would have uh, for you during this series? It's something that we got to do is to manage that together. And here's why you need this message. The reason you need this message is we have an enemy who doesn't play fair. He hits below the belt, and he hits way below the belt, and sometimes we don't recognize it. But that's the way the enemy is. The enemy will use tact. He's really smart. He will use attack. He will even use pain in your life, or the opposite. He'll use comfort in your life to get you to use humor or disbelief to cause you or me to back off from being a fully devoted Christ follower. He might try to make you so comfortable that you're like, I don't really need to be on the edge. I don't really need to be on the offense when it comes to spiritual matters. He's just made you comfortable. And he's tried to woo you into a place where you're not living, you're calling. You might be encountering God. You might be growing in community, but you may not be living your calling. And that's his agenda. And here's what's at stake. What's at stake over the next three weeks and why you need to be here is it's your heart. Your heart is at stake. Enemy doesn't care what you think. He largely doesn't care what you profess to believe. 
What he cares about is what you follow through on what you believe. What he cares about is what you believe in your heart about who Jesus is. And if he can distract or detract from that in any way, shape, or form, he's going to do it because it's your heart that is at stake. A number of years ago, I was speaking at a camp for youth, and it was like junior high and senior high age, and it was up in Wyoming. And at the time, I lived in Colorado, so we went up there to Wyoming to this camp, and I'm, I'm preaching one of the, probably the second message, second night, and I'm preaching, and this junior high girl is visibly distraught. As I'm speaking, she's like, you can tell she's not okay. And she's visibly distraught. She gets up out of the room, and she begins to walk out. And I see her cabin counselor, this female, a young adult, walk you know, with her and follow her uh, along you know, as they go out. And I see the youth pastor then for that youth group. He got up, and he went along with them. Well, as I'm speaking, she just became super uncomfortable, and she left the room. And what happened is I followed up with the youth pastor afterwards. He said, yeah, we went back to the cabin, and she sat on her bunk, and her like youth counselor was right there kind of with her, and he was across the room. And they began to say, well, is everything okay? Like, what, what's going on? You're just obviously visibly distraught. And she said, um, over the last two days, these messages have really started speaking to me, but I see things. What do you see? So, well, I see demons, and they told me that if I accept Christ, they're going to kill my mom. And the youth pastor said, well, where are the demons right now? And she said, they're here, and they're angry. And so they began to just share with her the truth about Jesus Christ. And at one point, they said that, you know, the cabin door, it was one of those doors that opens in. It was open, and, and they just said they were, and at one point, as they're speaking the name of Jesus, as they're talking about Jesus, the cabin door just slammed shut, and there was like no gust of wind or anything, and they said, well, where are the demons now? She said, they left, and they were really mad. Well, that young girl put her faith, her trust, even against a threat like that in the name of Jesus and experienced freedom for the rest of the week. You could see a visible difference in this girl's face the rest of the week. In fact, she led one of her friends who came along with her to camp to the Lord because of the freedom she had experienced. And I can tell you other stories like that that make the hair on the back of your neck stand up and, and they do, you know, they'll give, they'll give like goosebumps or they do that kind of thing for me. I'm never really comfortable when you see the power of the evil one, I'm not comfortable with that. It freaks me out a little bit, but, I'm, but I'll tell you what, there is nothing so amazing as seeing uh, something that manifests, that is oppressing a person who doesn't want to be oppressed, but it's oppressing that person. There's nothing so powerful as watching the name and the power of Jesus for that powerful entity to have to respond to the name of Jesus. There's nothing more powerful than that. I mean, like, just be honest, like, if you saw that, it would freak you out, and it would, and it should. But at the same time, when you see something that is that real that speaks to you and is not the person you were once talking to, and, and when you see that thing respond and have to respond in the name of Jesus, you go, oh my gosh, we're on the right side. He's real. His name is powerful. You, just, you, you have this immediate reaction that, you know what? It is God, and God's power trumps this thing I don't fully understand. It gives you huge confidence. It should. It should give you confidence when Jesus frees you from things that you're believing that are distracting from you living your calling. You should feel free in those situations. So here's why you need this message. You need this message so that you can see with new eyes, with spiritual awareness, and how powerful God is and the authority that he has given us to fight back. I want to read you a passage from Beth Moore. And uh, she says this in her book, Voices of the Faithful, she said this about the enemy, and listen, let me read it, will you? She says, Satan is sly. His motto, 
Whatever works. He doesn't care. Just whatever works. He doesn't come in a red suit carrying a pitchfork. He fools spiritual people most easily when he's dressed as an angel of light. He comes as a friend, a Judas, something that comforts our dysfunctional souls, pats our fleshly heads, and sympathizes with our strongholds. I understand you, demon Judas claims. He tries to gain our trust and assure us of things like this. No one could blame you. You deserve this. No one will ever know. God will forgive you anyway. You can't help it. Go ahead. Don't resist. It's not that bad. Everybody's like this. No one's really free. Indulge. No harm done. Then one day Judas kisses you on the cheek and betrays you and you see him for who he really is. The result isn't pretty. The devil is after all of us. Revelation 12, 11 tells us that we overcome him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. And once we've been covered by the blood of the lamb, Satan can't uncover us. So what's an accuser to do? He goes after our testimony. The more powerful the testimony, the more powerfully he'll try to take it. The devil wants no one more than a wholehearted, sincerely devoted lover of Christ. He knows, however, that they don't bite at the obvious bait. They must be seduced, and that's his specialty. What's at stake? What's at stake is your heart. What's at stake is my heart. And the reason that we need a message like this is because our hearts are at stake. And so, you know, again, I could tell other stories that would freak you and me out a little bit, and, uh, but that's not my heart. My heart today is we're going to start with you. We're going to start with your experiences. We're going to start with your life. We're going to start with your fight. We're going to start with your heart, your mind. That's what we're going to start with today. If you have your Bible, open with me to 1 Peter chapter 5. But before we get there, I'm going to just walk through a couple of verses we'll put up on the screens. Um, you wonder if there's angels or demons. Well, James tells us this in James chapter 2, verse 19. He says, you believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Uh, please understand, here's the right response. A, a demon believes in God. They know that they are a defeated foe under the power of God. They believe in God and they have a right response. They shudder. They have a right and probably a better response than most of our world at the name of Jesus. They have a right response. James chapter 4 verse 7 tells us to do something to believers. It says, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So you right away, what's our job? Our job is to submit ourselves to God and resist. So please understand that's twofold, right? that we submit ourselves under God's authority. God, I'm going to do and walk, and I'm going to follow what you obey. I'm going to be submitting myself, because oftentimes I don't want to, or there's going to be stuff in me that's like, this is a stretch for me, but I'm going to submit myself to God, and then I'm going to resist. And guess what happens? Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. People will often ask, well, can a demon, or can evil forces, can they negatively affect a Christian? Yes, it's called oppression. They can trouble you. They can bother you. They can, they can try to get you to believe a lie because they are, you know, a part of their, their very nature is that they are accusers and they are liars. In fact, their father, Satan, right, is, is the father of lies. When he lies, he speaks his natural language. So what he wants you to do is compromise the truth and believe a lie. 
So can they do that? Absolutely. They can absolutely do it. God is God. But the Bible is clear that the evil one controls the world. Some of you are like, wait, wait, well, why is there evil in the world? If God is God, why is there evil? Because the evil one controls the world. Until the return and the reign of Jesus Christ, the evil one is going to control the world. So bad things are going to happen in our world. Awful things are going to happen in our world. Some of you right now, you believe more in clowns this week than you did two weeks ago. (laughs) Bad stuff's going to happen. Why? If God is God, why would bad stuff happen? Because... The evil one controls the world until the return and reign of Christ. However, he has given you and I, he's given us power in the name of Jesus over the devil's temporary authority. 1 John 5, 12 says this, we know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under control of who? The evil one. Okay, we need to take that to heart. Listen, we know that God is God, but the whole world is under control of the evil one. That's his temporary authority. It's why bad stuff happens. But then he goes on and says this in verse 20, we know also that the son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true by being in his son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. So he's saying, yes, the devil's in control of the world, but thanks be to God that we know him who's true, who's real, We know him who is more powerful. What a powerful name it is. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus, the name above all names, the king above all kings, the Lord above all lords. He is God and we can know him and we can be covered in him and we have our eternal life in him. That is good news for a world that's controlled by the evil one. So now we have Peter. Remember who Peter is. Peter is a disciple of Jesus Christ. And he got to see the evil of the world firsthand. He got to see the power of Jesus, but then he got to see Jesus get arrested. He saw him tried inappropriately twice. Peter is seeing Jesus, this most powerful being, seemingly getting defeated, and it's so troubling to him. And he denies even knowing Christ because it looks like evil's winning, and he's scared that evil's winning with Jesus. It might just win with him. And so he denies knowing Christ three times, and he sees Jesus crucified, dead in the ground, buried. Then he rises to new life, conquers the grave, is king of kings, lord of lords. But Peter thinks, I have betrayed him. I'm weak. How could I ever be strong or firm or steadfast again? But God who allowed him to do that is the same God who we would watch in scripture, lift him up. And so Peter's saying, listen, I've seen it. I've lived it. I want to encourage you because you might struggle with some things like I did. And he says this in 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning with verse 6. He says, humble yourselves. Humble yourselves. Humble yourselves. I mean, that could be the whole sermon today right there, right? Think of yourself. We need to humble ourselves. We need to say, God, we're open to what you want. God, we need you to speak into our life. God, we need, I need to humble myself under you, God, right? That could be the whole sermon. But he says, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, listen, that he may lift you up in due time. 
Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. But be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He's introducing the problem, right? And you've seen, you've been to the zoo, right? And you see that, you see the tigers and the lions pacing like this, right? You see this going on? And they just got locked on you. They're thinking breakfast, lunch, dinner. You know, they're, that's what they do. It's just probably, it's looking for, and that's in a zoo. I mean, imagine if you were out in the wild and you had to be worried about that. We don't walk outside and think, oh, there might be a tiger. But I'll tell you what, some people in northern India where tigers still exist, um, I just read like not long ago that a UPS guy got taken by a tiger. When that guy in America pulls up in front of your house, he's not worried about a tiger. He might be worried that someone will take that package off your porch, but he's not worried about a tiger leaping out and grabbing him, but that actually still happens. And, and you and I, when we, 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 we don't picture it quite like they did in Jesus' day, but you would be very much on guard, but that's what the enemy does. He, he looks for someone to not just maul or attack or nibble on or toy with. No, he's looking for someone to devour. He wants to devour your heart. He wants to devour your life. He wants to devour your testimony. He wants, so we're told to keep watch. We're told to be alert and of sober mind. And then he goes on, what's our offense? Now we know what the problem is. Verse nine, resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while, will himself what? Say it out loud with me. Will what? Restore, Restore you. So you've suffered a little while, but God is... Peter's saying, listen, I know. I know firsthand when I failed God that he himself firsthand will restore you and do what? Make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. When you need a breakthrough in your life, when just trying hard enough isn't going to change it or do it, you can pray through until you get a breakthrough, but God is the one who gives us the gift, the power to break out, to overcome. It's God. It's his power. He's the one who will lift us up. And Peter's saying, listen, I understand it. I've lived it firsthand. You need to know that this is true. And so the first thing he tells us to do, if you have your outline, take that out and take some great notes today because I think you'll be blessed as God speaks to your heart, as you engage. And the first thing that he tells us to do is to humble ourselves. Well, I need to be careful about this and let you know that God won't force you to submit to him yet. God won't force you to submit to him. But I got to qualify that. I got to say yet, because the day comes when you and I will stand before the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, where every person who's ever lived gives an account to God. And the scriptures say that every knee will bow. Every knee will come down and will bow before God. Every tongue will profess out loud that Jesus is Lord. Even if they say, I never believed in Jesus. I didn't care about religion. I didn't care about Christ. I thought he was a fraud, whatever. Every knee, everyone who even attacks or just disbelieves at some point, there is an accounting of all humanity before God where every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. So I have to qualify that because in this life, God's not going to force you to submit to him. Yet, the day comes when we confess that Jesus is Lord and how far better for those of us who humble ourselves and submit 
to him now. Begin to experience his freedom now, his power now, the, the forgiveness of our sin now, the empowering to make us strong, firm, and steadfast now. How great is that? And I want you to understand that, that sometimes people see all this evil in the world and they're like, well, if God is God, why does evil stuff happen? Because the evil one has authority over the world. That's why bad stuff happens. But sometimes we begin to accuse God when bad stuff happens in our life. If you were God, you wouldn't let this bad stuff happen to me now. We begin to accuse God, but you need to understand something. That the very hand that allows suffering is the same hand that will lift you up. The very hand of God that allows you to hurt, sometimes allows you and I to hurt, sometimes it's because of sin. Sometimes it's because of evil. Sometimes it's because of the fallen world. But the very God who allows you and I in our humanity to experience that is the same God who says, I offer my hand to lift you up. My righteous right hand will lift you up. But what happens? We begin to hold back. God, I don't like it. Life is hard. I don't like what's going on. So I'm going to accuse you and we don't reach for his hand. But it's there for us. He's reaching have I allowed this? Have I allowed you to be born into a fallen world? Have I, allowed, have I stopped all evil at this very moment? No, it's under the authority of the evil one. But the day comes when my reign and my rule will happen and sin will be no more and there will be no more tears and no more sorrow and no more crying and no more death. The old order of things will have passed away and all things are made new. And Jesus says, I'm putting my hand out. Will you take it? But when we don't humble ourselves, we do this and we go, I'm going to accuse you for what the bad stuff happened in my life. Some of it's self-inflicted. Some of it is outside and was inflicted upon us. But the very hand of God that would allow us to experience life is the same hand that will lift us up when we humble ourselves and submit to him. So we got to, he says to cast our cares, right? The bad stuff happens. How do we cast our cares? We got stuff going on the inside. How do we get that out? How do we cast our cares? To cast our cares upon him. Why? Because God cares for us. And Peter says, listen, you got to cast them. Casting is this picture of getting it outside of yourself. It's a wave mirror. When you, when you are a fisher person and you cast your lure, you're getting the lure out there where the fish are. It's getting away from you. You're throwing it out there. You've got to get it off yourself. And you need to cast your cares. Well, how do you and I do that? How do we cast our cares, our concerns before God? How do we do that? There's a lot of ways to do it, but I'll give you three. One is out loud, that it's in prayer. It might be out loud. For some of you, you might write. You just write it. You might be someone who can journal, or you can write poetry, or you can, you can just, for me, sometimes I write a lot of my prayers because it keeps me on track. I don't get distracted all the time. It just helps me. Plus, I love to look back at what was going on in life, and how did God meet the need? How did he answer the prayer? I couldn't see it at the time. All I could see was right now. I couldn't see the future, but I know God, and he can see it all, and here's how he lifted me up. It might be writing. For some of you, it might be music or through art. That, that you just, it's Christian music and you listen to that and it just lifts up your spirit. It helps you out loud cast your cares. You're singing as you're singing what a wonderful name it is, what a beautiful name it is, what a powerful name it is. The weight of our experiences and our problems get lifted off. Why? Because we're not, our problems didn't change, our problems didn't solve, but we remember suddenly who Jesus is. We suddenly got lifted up. That's why we gather. It's why we sing. It's why we want you to sing and not just watch. We want you to cast your cares out loud. That's what we do when we come together. I've got to open my mouth and cast my cares even through song to the Lord. We must cast our cares actively. Good intentions do no good. 
Good intentions don't do any good. My dad used to say, my dad was an attorney, but he used to say this, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Well, I didn't mean to, or I didn't think it was going to work out that way, or I didn't think this was going to happen, or I, I know someday I'll get serious about the Lord, or someday I'll give my life to God, or someday I'll get these questions answered when suddenly someday turns into none day. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. There are sometimes are believers, you believe in Jesus Christ, but you're not actively casting your cares. You've got silent desperation in your heart. You're trying to control it yourself. You're trying to work it out yourself. And Jesus is saying, cast it. Cast your cares out. He's not talking about casting demons. He's saying, cast our stuff, cast our cares out. Why? Because he cares for you. So you've got to do it actively. You can't somehow intend that someday you'll bring these cares to the Lord. You've got to get them out. And then he tells us to be alert. So first humble ourselves, but then be alert. What are we being alert for? Well, I want to tell you three things that you might relate to. These are three areas where I'm able to identify some spiritual warfare in my life. And if you're like me, you might say, hey, I can see these kind of things happening in my life too. But sometimes we're unaware. We just don't even know, like, is it spiritual warfare? What do I want to look for? How would we identify what spiritual warfare is? And let me give you three today, and I'm sure there's many more, but let me give you three that I, I have personally found are great indicators that my life might be under attack. You want to look for things that tear your world apart. Just tear your world apart, right? That's just the nature of it. Like life was fine yesterday, but then all of a sudden it just seems like everything, my peace is gone, everything is gone. It just tore my world apart. And sometimes that happens circumstantially, sometimes it happens emotionally, but things seem to be fine. And then all of a sudden something happened real fast and you're like, what in the world just happened? Things that tear your world apart, like what? Well, let's talk first about lying thoughts. Lying thoughts. See, you think your thoughts are yours. Like I would think my thoughts are mine. But the father of lies, the enemy, our enemy, the devil, he wants to make, get you to make agreements with lies. And so he's going to be happy, even if you're a believer, to whisper to your thoughts and get you to just simply make a heart agreement with a lying thought. And it might show up in your self-talk. Your self-talk might be negative. You might start out loud beginning to, to express what the agreements you've made in your heart with the evil one about your life, about your hope or your hopelessness, about the condition of your life. Lying thoughts is one of the first. Second, disturbing dreams. Disturbing dreams. Do you have a recurring dream? Do you have a dream that seems to keep coming back? Does that dream have power over you? Does it kind of like tear your world apart? Does it make you fearful? Does it make you feel condemned? Does that recurring dream trouble you in many ways? Does it disrupt the normalcy of your life? If so, it could be spiritual warfare. Let me give you an example. You might be a person who you have a dream and you wake up and your heart is pounding and you, it, that dream is fearful and you begin to get controlled by fear and then you begin to walk into your day fearful. You're literally thinking something bad is going to happen. That dream was like a forecasting, a foreshadowing that something bad is going to happen. You begin to wake up and your heart's pounding and, and you start your, your day with anxiety and, and God is calling us to cast our cares upon him. You wake up like that but you've had a disturbing dream. You might have a sexually explicit dream. 
It made you feel very much in love. It made you feel very much pleasure. In fact, you, when you wake up, you might want to try to go back to sleep because you just, it was that kind of good a dream. And you might experience that, and you've got a choice in that matter. Am I going to let that wreck my day? Am I going to let that begin? The enemy will want to, after a dream like that, will want to either make you feel like you were uh, experiencing some victory or you were a victim. It might make you feel like you were abused or it may might make you feel like you were adored. But you have a choice when you wake up. Do I let that, day wreck my, do I let that dream wreck my whole day? Or do I take that thought captive, that dream captive, and make it obedient to the name of Jesus, the name of Christ? And I can't control that. We were dreaming. I was dreaming. I can't control what happened, but I can control. Am I fearful? Uh, did I have something else happen? You might say, you know, it might just be an emotionally charged dream. It might be one that makes you think, am I with the right person? Maybe my heart is telling me something. And it begins to make you question what is true and the commitments you've made and the God you love and the person you have chosen to serve and covenant with in your life. Do you have a disturbing dream? Are you just carried along by the effects of that or do you take that control captive and make it obedient to Christ? You have a choice when you wake up. So lying thoughts, disturbing dreams, and the third one is overwhelming circumstances. Overwhelming circumstances. A number of years ago, I was speaking at a youth camp, and it was uh, in Colorado. And uh, I was at this camp, and I, previously the fall is a winter camp. So the fall uh, before, I'd been dating a girl named Sarah. And uh, I'd been dating her for a couple months, and God made it really clear, Dave, you know, you guys need to break up. And, and I got to tell you, like, as far as breakups go, it was like the best one ever. Like, she, was, she knew, hey, you know what? Let's be honest, we're just not in this for the right reason. She, like, la like, she knows it, I know it. God is saying, knock it off, you guys are being stupid, right? So just get, get out of this relationship. You need to break this thing off. It's not a right relationship to be in. And so literally, we, we broke up, and I was so relieved because it was like, she was good with it, I was good with it, we're still friends. I mean, like, not a big deal, right? It was like, it was like awesome. And so like two months go by, no problem. The week before I'm to go speak at camp, and by the way, she's supposed to be one of the worship leaders at the camp. The week before, I wake up and I'm like, I can't live without Sarah. Oh my gosh. And like my emotions were in absolute turmoil. It literally felt like I'm going to die unless we're together. I mean, I'm pretty sure I drove my car. This is creepy. But I drove my car and sat in the parking lot outside her apartment like maybe I should go up to the door, right? That's called stalking now. But back then it was just... That was okay, I guess, back then, right? But I just was like, I, I can't live without her. And I'm crying. I'm like, God, like, on the inside, I'm just messed up. I'm like, in class, but my mind is, whoop, you know, far away. And I'm in class. I'm like, I just got to, I can't, I got to be with this girl. And, and God, I'm so conflicted because I know you told us to break up, but what are you doing now? And I'm, I'm like, I've tossed back and forth. And I'm praying desperately, quietly, silently in my heart. God, take these feelings away. God, you know, I'm just, I'm desperate. And I'm praying. I'm not like not praying. I'm casting. In my mind, I'm casting my prayers internally. And a couple days in, I'm alone in my apartment. And I'm just, but when I'm on the phone, like if you call me, I pace. I pace around. I don't know. Do any of you do this? You can't stand still. You walk around. You pace around. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Other pacers. Yes, Zach Younger. I see you back there. We, I pace, right? So if I'm on the phone, I, I typically am pacing around. Like, like I, my carpet in my office has this well-worn 
pace mark, right? So I just pace, and, and, uh, but I'm talking to God. I'm on a phone call, if you will, right, with God. I'm all by myself in my apartment, and I'm pacing. And I'm walking around the apartment, and God just has it dawn on me all of a sudden. Wait a minute. This could be spiritual warfare. Overwhelming circumstances. It just wrecked, it tore your world apart. And, and what would be better for the evil one than to get me and her distracted instead of us giving to these students and leading people in worship of the Lord that were overwhelmed and distracted emotionally together. And so all of a sudden I realized I've been praying for days. Nothing's happened. And I realized I need to take a stand in Jesus. So out loud in my apartment, I began saying this. I'm like, God, I believe you told me to break up with that girl. I do not give the enemy any more authority to play with my emotions. I take that captive that you are God, that we're not going to let this distract from what you want to do at camp. And I'm telling you, like, instantly, peace. I've been jacked up for days. <laughs> but instantly, peace. Like it, was like, it was like it was lifted. It was released. And in that moment, there was freedom in my heart. And, and I'm just, I'm exhausted, right? Because I've just wrote this emotional roller coaster. But now I feel free. And I'm walking around my apartment. And, and, th- and I'm all by myself. My roommate's not there. And, and God just turns my heart to thankfulness. And I just start singing this little song that he's just like bringing to my mind. And I'm walking around just like, guard my fragile heart and make it pure and holy. Guard my fragile heart and hold it in your care. Guard my fragile heart even when I'm lonely. Guard my fragile heart, I trust in you. And he turns my heart, my song to praise. And guess what, went through that weekend knew I was not meant to live with her. I wasn't messed up emotionally. I wasn't worried about old feelings. God had given me freedom. Why? Because sometimes you and I get under spiritual attack and we don't even know it. What's at stake? Our heart. Your heart is at stake. So what do we do? We resist the devil. We humble ourselves. We cast our cares. Now listen, now we got to resist. Now we get on the offense. Because first I got to humble me, and then I got to humble myself enough to cast my cares, but now I got to resist the devil. So we do that by exposing the lying thoughts or false dream or lack of control in circumstances out loud. Listen, Jesus always spoke out loud of the spiritual opposition. A demonized person would come to Jesus, and we'll look at a couple of those passages over the next couple of weeks. They would come to Jesus, and he always addressed them out loud. He never was like this. These are not the droids you're looking for. <laughs> Never said it. He spoke out loud. In fact, a lot of times they would come speaking. I know who you are. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he'd silence them. He'd speak out loud to them, and then he'd cast them out. Listen, why out loud? I believe that the enemy is under no compulsion to obey your quiet thoughts or your silent prayers. If we model what we saw in Jesus, we have to speak out loud. There's something about these spoken word. There's something about you and I in humbling ourselves and casting our cares and now resisting the devil out loud that is powerful. It's not just belief in the name of Jesus that's powerful. It's belief that speaks the name of Jesus that is powerful. It is not the lie that's simply powerful. It's the truth that counters the lie that's incredibly powerful. We've got to speak it. And sometimes when you and I speak it out loud, we believe it more ourselves. 
And we've got to resist the devil. And guess what? He will flee from you. Peace on the inside. Out loud. Well, how does that work? Sometimes you make agreements with the evil one. And your agreement with the evil, you might not even be aware that you made an agreement, but you made an agreement with the evil one. And the evil one just comes along and whispers to you, you've been orphaned. See, God cares about some people, but he doesn't care about you. He used to care about you, but he's seen just how bad you've been, and he's orphaned you. He's cast you away. He doesn't care about you so much anymore. And you and I begin to think, well, maybe he doesn't care about me so much anymore. Maybe he just cares about those people. And you and I begin to believe a lie, like maybe the enemy suggests that you're orphaned. But what do you do? You've got to counter it with the truth. No, I am a child of God a son or daughter of the most high God, whom he loves, with whom he is well pleased. But I just do, I just counter the lie with the truth. And we take that thought captive, we make it obedient to Christ. You might think this, my husband or wife is so, and your mind is filled in the blank, right there. The enemy just has to, all he's got to do is just whisper it to you. Look, there he goes again. There she goes again. They are so, and your mind just fills in the blank. But Heather and I learned through an incredibly brutal time in our, our marriage where we were struggling with each other and we didn't know why and what are we, it was this wall that we're hitting that we came out of that. The, the change didn't happen until we humbled ourselves, until we cast our cares individually because we were against each other for a season until we cast our cares and then we said this statement, I will not entertain a negative thought about my spouse. And we would say that out loud. Guess what? A thought would come to our mind. I will not entertain a negative thought about my spouse. Now, if some of you said that right now, you'd have nothing more to think about. Because you've been consumed all day long for all these years accusing and agreeing with the accuser with how he's accusing your spouse. Why? Because it's your heart at stake. Enemy doesn't care about you, but he hates marriage because God instituted it. He wants a whole culture to get rid of marriage and be done with it. He wants to attack your marriage. He wants your future generations to say, I'm out, I'm done, I'm gone. That's what he wants. And so he comes along and he accuses but when you and I take that thought captive and we make it obedient to Christ, it changed everything, didn't it? It was phenomenal. It was a huge turning point for us. And guess what? When the enemy still comes and whispers those things, we take those thoughts captive. We make them obedient to Christ. I will not entertain a negative thought about my spirit. You will be so surprised how your heart changes when you resist the devil. It changes for good. It changes toward a person you thought you couldn't change toward. You might have a bad dream and it might say to you, you know, you're really no good or you should fear or you're with the wrong person or they're out to get you or something bad is going to happen and you wake up and you say, I have a choice. I have a choice to let that dream affect me and I think about it all day and it ruins my day or you have a choice in that moment to say, I'm going to take that thought captive. That was a fantasy. It was a dream and I believe that God has what's best for me that he is before me, he is behind me, he's my front guard, he's my rear guard, he is king of kings, lord and lord, and even if something bad happens, I am with him. Man, it will disarm the power of fear in your life because perfect love casts out fear. When you and I stop looking at our fear and we start looking at the God of love, his love casts out our fear. 
and you've taken that thought captive and out loud you've declared what the truth is and it changes your day. You resist the devil. You might have overwhelming circumstances, just completely overwhelmed. Everything was fine and then everything wasn't fine. Your impossible situation hit you right in the face and you think, you just suddenly, it's whispered to you, God could never get you through this. Where has he been? Why would he let this happen? Instead of agreeing and hugging that thought and making it, I agree with that. Instead of doing that, you resist the devil. You resist him in that moment. And you begin to stop focusing on the, the impossible situation, but you focus on the God of the impossible. And in that moment, you're focusing on who, not how it works out, because all you can see is today. You can't see a year from now, two years from now, three You can't see that. All you can see is your problem, and all you can see is today. And it disarms the power of the evil one. You have not been orphaned. In fact, you've been adopted with full authority and full power in your life. When in doubt, focus on who, not how. So we resist the devil last by speaking the truth. Just speak the truth. Jesus spoke the truth. That's what he did. He didn't keep quiet about it. He resisted the temptation of the evil one with the truth. That when temptation came, that Jesus every time resisted and said, you will not bow down and worship anyone else. You will worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And Satan fled from him. What do you do? You and I capture the falsehood and we speak the truth. How do you get through spiritual warfare? You experience it. And some of you are in this room and you're like, well, wait a minute, Dave. Come on. I mean, this is great in theory and all, but I don't really experience spirit. I wouldn't say I experience spiritual warfare, you'd say. And I would say that's for two reasons. One, you've never come to Christ. You're in living under the power of darkness. You're in spiritual darkness. And because of that, you're, you just, you're already a defeated foe. You're living under the power and the chains of sin in this world. And the day comes when you will declare before Jesus that your knee will bow, your tongue will confess that he is King of kings and Lord of lords. So you're just lost. You're in the dark. Or two, you're a believer. You put your faith, you put your trust in Jesus Christ, but you're living defeated You've embraced the lies. You've embraced your own inner darkness and you've made it your own and you're holding on to that. And because of that, the enemy's like, hey, listen, I know you believe in Jesus, but honestly, you're not a threat. You're not living like a fully devoted Christ follower. You're not one who's gonna live your calling because I don't care what you think, really. I don't care if, I mean, I'm already a defeated foe. I don't care what you believe unless that belief leads you to live your calling and build the kingdom of God. Then I care then I will attack. So listen, either you're lost or you are just living defeated if you're not experiencing spiritual warfare. But some of us, we've been experiencing it. We just haven't known how to label it. We haven't known how to take a stand to humble ourselves, cast our cares, and resist the devil. And this is what Peter says. Read with me again. Let's read this out loud together. First Peter 5.10. Uh, I want us to read it out loud together. Will you do that with me? Let's go. Ready? And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Peter's saying, I lived it. I understand what it looks like. But what I want to do is I want to read it again, but this time we're going to change some pronouns because I want you to own this because the enemy wants you to think about this and believe it in theory, but not believe it in practice. So we're going to read this again as a response to God, will you read this out loud with me? And the God of all grace, who called me to his eternal glory in Christ, after I have suffered a little while, 
will himself restore me and make me strong, firm, and steadfast. Isn't that good news? That's God's agenda. That's his heart. The evil one wants the opposite. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Maybe today for the first time you're realizing that Jesus died on the cross for your sin. And when you put faith in what Jesus did, that he died for you and your darkness and your sin, that you can have eternal life with him. You can be adopted into his forever family. Your sins will be washed away. Your inner life made as white as snow. And if today you'd like to receive Jesus, you've got to ask him. You've got to submit yourself to him. And if that's you today, then right where you're seated, you pray a prayer like this. God hears you. You pray it. But you just say something like this. Jesus, today I give you me. I ask you to come into my life and make me a new creation. I believe that your death on the cross was for my sin. That you were buried in the ground. That you rose to new life because you're God. And so today I ask you to wash me as white as snow because today I give you me. Thank you for listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For information on Sun Grove Church, visit our website at sungrove.org.